This is the JWN Podcast. William Kaiser and Candace Patterson met at a crossroads of their respective lives and found each other to be the yin to the other's yang, with a love of art as a glue that brought them together. After an epic adventure in Mexico, they bonded together in love as well as professionally and formed a creative team known as Dos Bandidos. This discussion gets deep into their story as well as their optimistic outlook on the future. So let's just get right into my conversation with Dos Bandidos. I know this is going to be a fun, a fun, fun uh, discussion okay. simply because like as you walked in, we started like five different topics and I was like, shut up. Yes. Yeah. Stop. Don't waste it all yet. <laughs> let's let's talk about it all. Save let's... it for the podcast. But yeah. So, was... <laughs> but we were talking. Uh, you just started talking about um, people and his his uh, you know his explosion into the nifty scene and Super. basically putting the word nifty on people's minds that you know two months ago they didn't know most people didn't know what. It, what they were talking about. I had no idea. No, we've had, I've had to explain it to her three times after I've had to like Google it 5,000 times to uh-huh. figure out what is NFR, NFG we're pretty NFT. A- obsessed with his daily art. Obviously we right. get that, but the, my, I did not understand. First of all, cryptocurrency is strange <laughs> for me. I mean, I, you know, I understand the basics of yeah. it, but having to spend that much energy to mine it, I don't really understand that or to access it. But so he sold a portfolio basically. He right? sold his first 500 digital or first 5,000. Yeah. Was it 5,000? Yeah. So if you can actually zoom in on the image that sold and like they're pin, they're like marker drawings in the top left hand corner, and then they get more. That's before he even, uh, so he's been doing it for five thousand straight days. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, talk about a guy who who, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I don't think he would have accelerated in his popularity. I, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of people that knew about him before 2020. You would but have I to be were... on a Reddit subthread or something to see it. Yeah. And I'd seen it on like the Reddit art thread, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't right. bother to like, oh, this is all beep. I was like, oh, that's cool. Move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <And> it's like, <laughs> oh, digital art. Okay, yeah. great. That's fantastic. And it's it's hard to take digital art seriously because um, for a lot of traditional artists, I watched as it became like iPads started showing up in sketching sessions and things like that as just a, you know, it was it kind of a, a nice way to not have to like go through a bunch of paper and, and yeah. a different medium and blah, blah, blah. So it, it crept its way. Tattoo artists use it all the time. Sure. It's fantastic. Comic books are where I saw it. Like the colors all of a sudden, it was still pen and ink drawing, but then they added the colors and all of a sudden now you got like more vivid colors than you did it back in the eighties where it's only four colors and all dot printed. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess I've always taken it seriously. I mean, I just think creation, no matter what photography, drawing, mm-hmm is magnificent if you can move somebody. And the way that we work, which is kind of half analog, half digital, yeah. um, which- It's because we're born in 1980 and a little bit, she's younger than I am, but like it's half analog, half digital. We're kids in the nineties, right? Yeah. And then, so we kind of, we're ex-ennials. I hate that term, but whatever it is. Why do they have to I come up with know. these hybrid names? I don't know, but it's so annoying. But so we've <laughs> just like always had one foot in analog and one foot in digital. But the, uh, I just, 
it's pretty impressive that he can create a different piece every day. And they're inspiring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the hard it's, part. 5,000 pieces of art in one and a day. Not, and they're not like simplistic at all. No. They're very highly detailed. Like yeah. the, the type of thing that if I were to attempt to put that much effort, it would probably take me 40 hours yeah. <laughs> of so work. If you click on his website, like you can click on it and it breaks down how he did it. And it's like four different applications are running. Yeah. Photoshop, Cinema 3D. Like, so I, I'm trying to wrap my head around all this. Like I'm in IT from my like day job and I still don't even know how to do Microsoft Excel. And this guy's doing like four different <laughs> programs to create in art. Well, I think if you have a vision of like Photoshop, I use Photoshop constantly. Uh, um, but there's functions in it. I've never even oh, yeah. touched. And every once in a while, like you'll be working on something and you'll accidentally hit a keystroke and you'll hit a command and something will change. And you're like, I don't know what I just did. Yeah. But because these applications are huge, like right. as long as you know how to do the thing you want to do, you just have to learn how to use the tool That's that you. True. So, but yeah. we use Illustrator for our stuff, like constantly. Have to, yeah, yeah. Screen uh, print making is which that's the, yeah. how we learned how to do layers. Originally, it started off ten years ago when we first started. We would draw each layer with a marker, isn't that a fun sharpie? Though? Yeah, like we, and we put them all on paper. Then we went to Kinkos. We made the transparencies, yes. and our registrations were terrible. <laughs> Horrible. But, you know, I and mean, it, and it was simple, just kind of like the Beeple's left-hand corner, that 5,000 piece. It's They were simple and rudimentary, but like we were learning and it keeps progressing. When I used to play in a band, I used to do the cover art. This is in the 90s. Um, I used to do the cover art for like our, our singles and CDs and things like that. And I would go to Kinko's and I would, when I found out you could get prints on transparency paper... Yes. So I would do a line drawing of a thing, like a nice thick bold, and I'd get it printed at Kinko's, and then I would paint the back right. with acrylics. So it would have an even coat with like this bold black line that would always look – it was like my version of using Illustrator because I didn't own a computer. So yeah. I didn't know – I could just easily, I could have done that whole process in like five minutes as opposed to like over the span of days. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, we took days in the beginning. And even when I first started screen printing, when I was in college, one of my best friends had a record label frequency. And so we started putting together drawings and screen printing ourselves in the, you know, in his studio basically. But I don't even know if, how long has Illustrator even been around? Because oh, Photoshop's been around forever. In late 90s, I would. Well, because I, I was using Photoshop back then, but I was not using Illustrator. Yeah, the, the vector-based artwork, and probably late 90s, early 2000s, because there I, used to be Quark Yeah, was right. the print application, Quark Express, right? And then, uh, and then um, InDesign kind of just swooped in and took over because it was connected to all of those other apps that people were using. So I'd say, yeah, late 90s. Okay. I remember going up to, well, I went to Winthrop University, studied painting, uh, fine arts, late 98 to 2002 is when I was in school. So I would go up to the graphic design classroom because I had friends up there. And so I would watch them work on their brand new shiny colored iMacs, which were the big <laughs> egg shapes. And they were really pretty and like watching them work on Photoshop and Illustrator. And like, I learned how to halftone. And so I did like lots of halftone screen prints right. in college. I just saw yesterday was the 20 uh, we're recording this uh in in the end of march but yesterday was the 25th i think or is it uh, anniversary of os 10 which to me is it really? made me immediately feel like an old man because i remember working in it and using os 9 on my personal yeah on the first like ibook that came out and, and right before right as they were transitioning into os 10 and i was just like 
Oh my gosh, that was so long ago. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh my. And think yeah. about the original iPod and the original iPod, how big oh yeah. and bulky it was. But that was so cool back then. I never had it, but all of my friends who did. Well, you had to be rich to have it. <laughs> you oh, did yeah. have to be rich to have it. I was always so jealous of them. But the cost of like the CD Walkman went down once those came out. Like oh, yeah. the CD Walkman right. became so affordable. So I just remember having like the the stack of. Do you remember trying to stuff the Walkman in your pocket so you could listen to music while you walked around? Oh, yeah. And they had the anti-skip feature. Oh, yeah. So that was it never worked, though. It, 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 you had a five-second. You had a five-second. If you had In a your nice car, one. yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, for commuting and, and, and uh, back then I was living in New York. So, like, it, it survived a train ride. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, so the... Let, let's talk about you guys real quick, because I know we're, we can go off in a million tangents, sure. but I, I don't want to forget to figure out how did you guys like what's the what's the, on your website? Right. Thank you for having a website. We started talking about that as well as like how important it is to have a website. Um, but on on your website, it, it says that it all started with a torrid love affair, amazing adventures and an epic trip across Mexico. I, you've so, probably shared this story before, sure. but. Okay. So yeah. one thing I want to talk about is we came up with the name 11 years ago. Yes. 11 years ago. So this probably right around now we met each other 11 years ago. So we've tried to change the name to two bandits mm-hmm. several times because of just different reasons, but it's right. never stuck. So we're just going to be Dos Manditas forever. But we were neighbors and <laughs> it was springtime and she was wanting to clean. We lived downtown. You're behind most cross town. I lived in a little cute little house and she lived in a much cuter house across the street. Much it, cuter. Yeah. Cause my house was all boy house. So it was not, not very cute actually. His house had that funky smell of a, of a college dorm room. Like, Is that what you're we saying? We never stayed over there in the beginning. Yeah, I had already seen her for like a year marching around the neighborhood, but she never saw me. I just didn't notice him, yeah. but uh, that's, <laughs> on her way to cross worked, town. He worked nights. <laughs> yeah. He worked at the at the Post and Courier, so he was like he worked all night. Yeah, so worked I worked in the print in the print shop at the Post and Courier, so I was printing in the middle of the night so people could read their newspaper. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you actually worked at like a major like a newspaper printing facility, which is yeah, that, and that and facility is insane. It, it's it's great that yeah. it still exists. Offset Press, yeah, Offset Press, and it's probably going to move up here eventually. I think they're moving the press. They get a new one, and they're going to. I was about to say that piece of real estate that it lays on, like the, this this classic newspaper building yeah. in the middle of downtown Charleston. Like you can imagine every every hotel that we have too many of is is oh, yeah. eyeing <laughs> that property. Going, oh, like, I'm sure. Oh, Charleston needs another hotel. Come on, move out. God, we hope not. But, you know, so we started you know, what turned into, you know, a lifetime partnership. But when we first met, we started talking about just everything mm-hmm. we had in common. And it came out that I, so I'm not a traditional artist, but I I do all sorts of things. I so I screen print, I photograph, I, you know, I draw mm-hmm. some, like I just do all of it. You so alter he, all your clothes. But, and, you- and I, you know, I create in all sorts of ways. He's more of a traditional artist, but it turned out that we both were screen printers in this weird way. And I saw him 
cutting out all of these shapes on cardboard, and he was making stencils for spray paint. Yeah, I was a Banksy wannabe back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool, why it's are you- It's Charleston, by the way. It's a Shepherd Ferry one. Yeah, well, yes, Obey Giant, <laughs> which we can get um, some Obey Giant rat, uh, rabbit We can definitely go down, because he's got <laughs> some pretty intense connections with, well, we all, you know, you throw a stone yeah. in Charleston, somebody has a connection with Shepherd Ferry, but- Sorry, so, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> Throw um, that joke in there. And so we, I don't know how it came up, but we, we got were, on the topic that we both were screen printers. Yeah, I think we're on, we're on your bed, like listening to like different music that we had. And that's like one thing that was able to like keep me around in her world is like music and trying to keep her entertained. Like I had to try to pretend I was more interesting than I was, <laughs> oh, no. as you'll find out as this goes oh, on. No. no, you're so interesting. Stop it. But uh, yeah, screen printing. But then she wanted to like, so we meet in like April, like our first dates at a River Dogs baseball game. It wasn't really a date. We just were like all went there together as our streets. And then yeah. I, it, we just start hanging out and we start creating. And then we go to Mexico in October uh, for Day of the Dead. Wow. And That's quite a commitment. Like. So you guys were... Well, that was one of my requirements. I'm a traveler. I've been traveling around the world for, I mean, my par- I mean, even with my parents, but by myself. We met when I was 28. That I'm 38 now. And so one of my requirements to see if we could be in a relationship with each other was, can you handle a trip like mine? And I'm not talking about a nor- like... A Cancun. I'm talking about taking second class buses. Yeah, you're not talking through. about staying at the nice hotel and flying. And no, yeah. no nice hotel. Second class buses, roughing it, seeing if you can hang. And so we were down there at the uh, city of Merida in Yucatan for Day of the Dead. And like my grandfather had just passed away at 94. So I like, brought pictures of him. And then her grandfather was like a college professor at Harvard and Davidson. His name was Red Ernie. He was a socialist economics professor. So we made like altars to our grandparents, That's covered them fun. with flowers and stuff. And we went to a lot of other small towns. Anyway, we just had this fantastic, mind-blowing, explosive trip through tiny towns in that part of Mexico and in Merida and just really fell in love and were so inspired to create together. So we came home and we decided to create like a Mexican altarpiece show. We like made our own little wood boxes, cut out wood figures, spray painted them. She made clothes for these figures and the figures were like Michael Jackson, Evil Knievel, We spray painted them. We acrylic painted them. We used mix. I mean, we did everything. She made sugar skulls. We made candles and decorated them. And we put them up at her coffee shop. She worked at a City Lights coffee shop, which was like the original boutique coffee shop in downtown Charleston. And uh, so we called ourselves Dos Banditos. Like we came up with a team name. So nobody had to put their real name first. That way we we try to do everything as a team. Nobody takes too much attention from the other person. Right. So we didn't even know if it was going to go anywhere from that. And then I was like, God, I really want to screen print again, but how are we going to come up with the money? We just didn't have any money back then. And I mean, not that we have, whatever. But yeah, uh, <laughs> working in a coffee shop, living downtown, yeah. I, I'm amazed that you were able to to put those two together. Right. Yeah. So this uh, woman from Goat Sheep Cal, this was mm-hmm. before Goat Sheep Cal was open, came in and was like, do you know anyone who could screen print T-shirts? And I was like, I can 
And we didn't have any screen printing equipment. We had nothing. She calls me. It's like, we're going to screen print t-shirts. I'm like, how? We don't have any equipment. And I was like, oh, and we're going to screen print 500. And that's how we're going to buy. We're just going to put the equipment on credit cards. And we're going to pay ourselves back because no problem. We've got this. <laughs> wow. That's a leap. Yes. This is what happens. This Sarah, is, though. We so jump, you jump in head first and I have to keep up. Everything. <laughs> with, so everything with Candace is from the from the heart. Yes. Is that what yeah, I'm It's getting? all enthusiastic okay. and wide open, like. We Let's just, do this. And, we'll figure it out. Yeah, she's but, probably like evil Knievel. She's going to make the jump over to Cliff. Well, I mean, it, it's it's a constant conversation that comes up on 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 this podcast. Is is you know how people who strive for perfection and people who plan too much never get anywhere because they're stuck in that phase of like preparing to do something. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It sounds like you guys are just like we did that. <laughs> But that, that's, well, done that's that. her. And that's then, like, I had like thousands of ideas I never did any of. Like, so, this is a great point. I mm. do things from the heart and not necessarily well. I mean, you know, I, I yeah. just go for it. And he is so analytical. He's such a perfectionist. So, Perfect. he, it really, that's why I think we work so well together. Yeah, yeah. We were arguing the other day. She was like, you leave your socks everywhere. I'm like, well, you leave your shoes everywhere. So, I guess for a good team, like, I pick your shoes up and you pick my socks up. Like, <laughs> Right. But that's not really anyway. But like I no, I, I see what he's saying though. He's like, saying you're you're both you're both similar and different equally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then it just kind of grew from there and we have been creating together for eleven years and you know, the process has changed somewhat. We were able to buy a house in our in downtown. We built our own studio. Thanks to the help of my dad and my stepdad. And so we work out of that, you know, every day now. Yeah, we got a little tiny house downtown and a little tiny yard with a little tiny studio in the backyard that we go and screen print in. That's so great. Yeah, that is so great. And very lucky. I, I mean, I, I first took notice of you guys. Uh, you had an installation in some older houses down right off, you get, right when you get off uh, I-26 to go downtown and all of a sudden on these old kind of, not condemned, but like houses that are obviously not, uh, they're old houses that haven't, they can't just knock them down. They sure. have to, they have to like revitalize them. And that area hasn't made it to that point yet, I guess, or at that time hadn't. So you guys had put all of these, these kind of wood cut out screen printed figures of people you would see downtown, like young kids with, with, uh, with sweetgrass roses and just, it looked like a representation of the neighborhood that was on its way out yeah. almost. I don't know if that was the point. That's how I took it. I was like, okay, this is, this is somebody who's trying to preserve what this area of Charleston is right now, but you could see it's going away quickly. Absolutely. Actually. That was our Chucktown series. Yeah. Like, so the younger people probably won't know what Chucktown was, but like I grew up in Walterboro and I dreamed mm -hmm. of living in Chucktown and wanting to go to Chucktown on the weekends. Like that's where the comic book shops were. We didn't have those in Walterboro, but uh, we came back from New Orleans that summer and like there's lots of people bad mouthing downtown Charleston and stuff like all these cranes and hotels, which mm -hmm. is all true gripes are like, oh, it's all changing. And we were in New Orleans and we saw like how authentic people loved New Orleans. So when we came back, we tried to like. We were like, what that. do we love about Charleston? And even if things are changing, you know, we'll still love Charleston. But we wanted yeah. to capture. At least record the older, it. Or record it right mm -hmm. before it went away so it could yeah. be preserved forever in that way. 
Yeah. So. I thought it was wonderful. And I just remember Thanks. posting on like one of the social media sites like, who is this? What is this? <laughs> and I think a mutual uh, friend, John Stout, umm. uh, bad John, come on the podcast, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John, come on. Hey, John, now. come on the podcast. Hey, <laughs> um, look, I've even got his sticker right there with the hey now. Um, the brand new sticker. Brand new. Um, yeah. So he, he was just like, oh, it's Dust Benditas. I was like, John knows everybody, by the way. Yeah, he does. He does. He, he's, he's a fantastic uh, person who, who for, for somebody who's somewhat shy, he's also um, very outgoing. Yes. I mean, I would say he's been able to conquer his shyness completely. Yeah. I mean, he still might. He holds it in his heart. He's always going to be a shy person, but he is he gets out there and he knows everyone and he makes everyone feel comfortable yeah. and special. He's amazing. He's just always got a smile on his face. Yeah. It's so fantastic. It's just a positive energy. He's so fabulous. So you guys, that's how I kind of came to know you. And then I was just like, Oh, this is fantastic. And I've, I've been watching. So you said you do photography as well. Is that? Well, I mean, not professionally. I just right. like to take photos because I think, the world is beautiful. So, is that the basis for a lot of your artwork? Yes. Like the references yes. will come from your photography? Or is it or a mix both of, of us? But we, and it's all thanks to the iPhone now. We're riding our bikes yeah. around. We're like, oh, this looks cool. Or we'll have an idea and we'll go take a picture with our iPhone. And then lots of lots of the images are kind of collaged of three or four images sometimes to mm. create. And so when I say photography, I mean, obviously we don't take out the nice cameras. We use the images to Right. create other art from so but without the camera i we wouldn't create i don't think no like yeah, yeah. it helps us see the world around us in a different way like in you know a microscope way mm -hmm. yeah so, you, you can get you really compose yeah so, you know. for sure so if you want to go down to the process rat hole what we do or the rabbit hole is Certainly. what we do is uh it's all drawn on cheap printer paper with inks uh pen and inks and uh, that process kind of came from like studying Andy Warhol's. Uh, he did wax drawings uh, mm -hmm. with pen and ink, and it would separate. And then he would take that and smash it over, and he created these blotted images. And there were shoes and stuff like that he did when he was early on in New York. And like I was studying that, I was fascinated by it. And then studying all the comic book ink drawings, and so like started using like. I liked how the printing in the old comics from the 80s always kind of bled a little bit. Oh, yeah. So that's what we do is like we draw on some cheap paper with pen and ink and it bleeds a little bit. It's not perfect. Or we use spray paint for, mm -hmm. to create a texture. So say we need clouds, we'll go outside and grab a can of spray paint yeah. can and spray it on the cut. And then we scan everything into Or we take cotton balls and, you know, so it could be any number of objects to go to alongside the pen and ink. To so yeah, like we're trying to create lots of textures and we try to do all that manually. And then what we'll do is we'll take that, scan it, uh, then put that in Illustrator and start building our images. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But so you, you are your final, uh, not for everything, for a lot of your stuff though, comes out to be screen printed work. And I've seen that's you right. guys do stuff on wood and like that, 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 um, project that we were just talking yeah. about, the Chucktown series, that was all mostly on wood. I mean, you have prints. We had as a print well. series and then we had the wood series. We were going to make our own Spoleto art walk. That, that was actually kind of the, <laughs> we wanted that neighborhood and locals mm -hmm. to be a part of Spoleto in a way that I feel like we aren't always. Yeah. A lot of times so, Spoleto caters to people from New England coming down or other people coming in. And it's, 
some of the tickets are expensive. Not and, all of them are, but. And like, honestly, the East Side neighborhood doesn't get to participate a lot. Right. And so we were creating, like, that was the initial idea. Like, to we get wanted people to come look at this yeah, authentic and, and once again, part of Charleston. So we had all this stuff. We were building it. And we didn't know where we we're going to put it. And then Candace calls up. She goes, All right, I just talked to this guy online in Meeting Street, uh, AAA Rentals. And he said we can just take over the whole block. And I'm like, <sighs> Okay, let's do it. So we grabbed some screws in a drill. And yeah, we so we got permission, but uh, it was pretty, it was so fun. And did you have, a, you had a, a mixed response, right? There, uh, No matter sure, what you do, absolutely. there's going to be haters. But oh, the, oh, we had a, definitely a mixed response. We had some haters take over hashtag. Oh yeah, our hashtag got taken over. Got, and be, some Instagram hate happened, but it's because the posting career ran us on the front page of the paper for some reason. It must have been a slow news day or something. Yeah, and, we don't know why. Um, but well, it's interesting, but yeah, so we had, and, and mostly the, the hate came out. There's no one calling it, but young 20 year old dudes, actually. <laughs> they were just mad. Were They're they just mad because oh. we, they didn't think we had put our time in and like, we weren't true street artists, but we never claimed to be true street artists. We were just like putting up an outdoor mm. art show. Um, and Yes. They thought you were corporate or something. Yeah. Yeah, we had sold out to them. We had sold out. We were being used by the media. My favorite <laughs> thing is, is like, oh, you've made it to the Post and Courier. You right? must have sold out. It's like, Do you uh, know the circulation? There's the Post and Courier right there. There's yeah. the building. Right there. And also, They're it was- striving for content, by the way. Constantly. <laughs> like, they probably would put you on the front page on a oh, Monday, I've, too. Like, I've actually- Everybody. I've been on the front page before for nothing I I've done. I didn't mean you. I meant the- um, <laughs> The general you. The general you. No, no, not yeah. Like, yeah. No, just, but just, just cause you're, you even said it. I mean, I remember going into the Publix, uh, one day and my friggin' arm and my face, cause I was showing off, I had a picture of this arm right after I got tattooed by Holy City, uh, Jason at Holy City Tattooing. And it was just like, it was my homage to South Carolina showing like my, my biggest weakness, which, well, physical weakness as far as being allergic to fire ants. So I got this night, this dagger with a fire ant, right? Awesome. And I had taken a picture like this and the article was about people getting tattoos that were related to South Carolina or Charleston or whatnot. And there's me on the front page so with my cool. arm and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> this is how, I, I guess that's a good way, you know, but it, it was, you know, great for a holy city tattooing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, this is hysterical. But that, that's what I'm, that's what you're saying is like, they really like local newspapers love anything love. of interest. Absolutely. You know? I mean, they've got to create content every day. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I appreciate is, we have to report all the news, but when we can report fun news, like yeah, they, I mean, I'm sure they're stoked, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the world needs more good news and less clickbait bad news. Yeah, I mean, we need to be informed constantly, but we don't need clickbait, right? And and, and but it's a weird idea that you you've sold that. Like, isn't that people, weird? We were so do you know their circulation at seventy thousand people? Come on, because we're also. <laughs> And I don't mean, but you know, we're like in our late thirties and I was yeah. like, wait, we've, I, I just, it was such a head scratcher cause I'm so far removed from that. <laughs> can't wait to get some of that front page money. Yeah. I can't see, I can see 2004, 24 year old me being a hater in my room. Like nobody respects me. 
Well, you know, it's easy to call someone a sellout when you're living off your parents. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> easy. It's very easy. I mean, I grew up in the punk rock world. And, right. And if you had like a barcode on the back of one of your releases, you were a sellout because yeah. you were trying to sell more than five copies or whatever. I was just glad when it went away because I was like, look, we are really small time, y'all. Like you can focus your hate somewhere else. Like, yeah, no, but that's not what we're about. We're not trying to compete with anybody. We're trying to help and lift other people up. We like, did actually reach out to them and, and you know – to the people create, that were hating, mm-hmm, yeah. create so we, so we decided kind of like, a bridge. We took this as an opportunity, like when somebody's successful, they should try to help other people, mm-hmm. bring them up to to be successful. Something like we were talking about, John. John like makes connections for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, invites people to markets that he creates, and like so he's always that's the type of person that we want to be, like mm-hmm. someone that's always like yeah. We might be a little bit more shy and know a lot less people than John, but we want right. to bring people along and lift them up to. And most of the time, when someone reacts that way it's they're in pain and i'm not trying to save everyone but a simple like reaching out sometimes Mm -hmm. builds a bridge and solves a problem find out what 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 the hate's about yeah you know a lot of times yeah it's 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 jealousy there's a it's it's a secondary or or tertiary uh emotion that is covering what the real problem is with them. And then if you identify, you'd be like, hey, we got the same issue. <laughs> or, right. you know, I, I, I feel you. Right. Like, I understand we're all humans and have complicated emotions. It's unfortunate that the, um, the current uh, way that we all participate in social media, uh, mm. it, it seems like the idea that negative uh, feedback is... The thing that gets the response. Yeah. You know, can you imagine reaching out and creating a bridge to somebody who said, hey, this is amazing. And, and you were like, yeah, it is. Next. And then someone says, this is BS. And you're like, oh, now I got to I got to I got to fix this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. So I know. It's the squeaky wheel gets gets the oil. It does. And and that's been something that has happened with people now. They feel like the way they can reach somebody is to be a jerk. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because it's a weird, like six thousand people on Twitter can di- dictate the discussion that they. And like I learned that from, I kind of put that together from Beeple, looking at his work. I was telling one of my uh, coworkers in Seattle because I work at uh, with Boeing IT. So like, I'm const- I work by myself in my room. So all mm-hmm. my people are in my headphones. My coworkers yeah. and so like, look at this guy Beeple, and he's like looking. He's like seems really political. I'm like, well, yeah, you can tell what day the interaction is by the art or. Mm-hmm. What day the election is by the art, or what day this happened by the art. So it's like I started putting it together. It's like we have themes every day because maybe we're bored, especially in 2020. We're stuck in our homes. We can't interact. So we have to have a new theme for today's episode of outrage. Like, what is it going to be today? Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of how we started years ago creating our art because it's like, how do you get inspired every day? So we came up with themes. And then within the framework of that theme, we'd go take pictures or whatever inspired us and uh, kind of create a show. And I guess maybe all people work that way. I don't know. But um, yeah, so we it's worked really well for us over well, the past five years. The name of your creative team is a theme. It's based, right. it's yeah. based right. on an experience that you guys shared together that that solidified your relationship. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so it's easy to take it and say, oh, these people are culturally uh, appropriating uh, this name and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, take three seconds to figure out why it's yeah. called that. And That's then you'll be, and, and then tell me it's it's appropriating. Because right. 
you guys were sharing like an amazing experience together where you shared, uh, you, you know, the pain of loss. Sure. On top of all of the other stuff. Like you guys really had a deep connection from Absolutely. that trip. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's because of appropriation. That's why we've tried to change our name over right. the years. But it's just, you know, it is a theme and it just never stuck. Like this is how people have known us and we'd have to start over and maybe, I don't know, and maybe we just don't need to. So we just keep not changing it. Yeah. And because it's representing not a, you're not t- trying to take something away from somebody. Right. We're not making Mexican art to sell people, like yeah. two white people trying to sell Mexican art. Like that's not what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to tell our story and that's all our art is, is our stories. Yeah. And that's how you guys, that yeah. was the foundation. Yes. So yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense when you get to explain it. It's, it's, but I understand also the mm-hmm. want, the desire to not have to explain it. Right. Right. Because and to yeah. not be judged immediately. But we're gonna be we all you know, everybody judges everything no matter what. So if you go down the rabbit hole of trying to please everybody, right. you're people no one's gonna like you because they're gonna Absolutely. look at you and be like, Look at this this wet noodle of a of a entity that, that can't um, you know, just make their choice and stick with it as far as um maybe having a, a valid reason for your choice. Sure. Yeah. Which I think and you do. I, I'm not, I'm not. Well, we just said, you know, we're, we're secure in this now. When I say we tried to change it twice, this was like six years ago. Right. We, like six, as of six years ago, we're like, you know what? This is us. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think it just, ta- it takes, it takes a moment of explan- explanation sure. to, to, all right, move past that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but we do live in a society where, where it's, it's people are quick to judge because if they see the name and they see two white people are behind it and they're like, they both have blue eyes. Like, mm-hmm. wait a second. This is, mm-hmm. this is weird. You know? And they, they, they immediately come to a conclusion without giving you the time of day to, to figure out why. Yeah. That's, that's an unfortunate reality that we live in this, this quick to right. judge uh, reality. But the same thing could be said if they saw us in person and, you know, like maybe whatever they could look at my outfit, his outfit, mm-hmm. you know, my hair. So we're going to get judged no matter what. So yeah, we're well, just going to roll with it and as long as we can create together, which I think has saved our, I mean, sparks our relationship every day. And also makes it hard. Because we like <laughs> we like doing stuff and we like building and like these are goals for us sometimes. Like this well, a new show we want to work on and this is our theme and let's go start coming up with ideas. And we kind of decided a long time ago, like we are not the people to have children. Like it, that's not our path, but this is our child. Right. Well, your 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 version, you know, your energy into mm-hmm. rebuilding and re- rebirth is in your artwork. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you guys are who you are. You are what you are. Um, but the things that you can change that you put your effort into is this is the is the creation that you put out there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I, I I see the struggle. I get it. Um and, and I, I'm glad that you guys have just decided to stick with what you are, uh, because you're not coming you're you're not coming from a place of appropriation. And if it were a widespread thing where where people came out, you know, people, Latin American or just Latin people came out 
uh, against what your what your thing is, you'd probably revisit it then. Absolutely yeah. revisit it. Of course, because you're not. Yeah, you're not. You're not saying that you're 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 uh, planting your flag and that's no, it. No, no. But you're saying like, hey, this is what it is, and this is where we're coming from, and this is who we are. I get it. I yeah. mean, I, I get it. And and you're willing to change if 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 new knowledge came. Absolutely. Yeah. We always have to be willing to grow. But you can't every little every kid that just comes up and it just wants no. to get your attention for the reasons we sure. said before. Like, can't let them sway you. And like our whole goal of us, we're screen printers, so we can like make mass art. We usually do runs of thirty or forty, but we try to sell them at a reasonable price. Oh, so yeah. like as us in college, you couldn't buy a thousand dollar painting on King Street, but you could buy a twenty five dollar Shepherd Fairy print. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was like our model. Like yeah, so we want to create affordable art for the rest of our life while still having it be limited edition because we're we're pretty firm on that. We will do, if something's really popular, we will change the size once and redraw it and screen print it. But other than that, we're pretty firm on just moving on to the next yeah. thing. Like if it's sold out. Well, this is this goes back to what we started with, with the nifty thing. Because for a lot of digital or hybrid artists, which most artists that are of a certain age are mm-hmm. right now you get to have an original right you get to attach that token to uh to your final digital version and say hey this is the original and the reason why it's the original is because it's got this non-fungible token yeah. associ- right. associated with it and that makes it unique it's, it's a new form of printmaking it's a limited edition love right which i honestly didn't know i mean of course you can make a limited edition digital art but this is a whole new concept to me. I think yeah. it's so fascinating. It's combining a bunch of different things, but it's all based on stuff that already existed, that concepts that existed. It's just confusing and weird to people because it's so out of their comfort zone. For sure. Because nobody talks about how money works in the first place. So when you try to explain a new version of currency, people are really weirded out. And you're like, it's not much different from the old version. Is right. our money any different than coins and Mario? Like. It's just a number that you collect every week. You don't really get any paper. I mean, it's anymore. true. It's all made up at you this point. Every time, like you, you bumped across something, that all of your money just spread out. <laughs> you like <laughs> yeah, Sonic yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Like just woo! There goes all my money. Gotta start over again. Uh, I mean, maybe it would be liberating. I don't know. <laughs> that would be stressful. <laughs> every time you got a hundred coins, you got an extra life. You're yeah, like, all right. <laughs> I can only play Sonic for so long. Yeah, she's Super Mario. Yeah, all the way Super Mario. Yeah, Sonic was uh, was uh, was was uh, nerve wracking. Extremely nerve wracking. Yeah. That was one of my greatest regrets: is getting to Genesis, and then all my friends got the Super Nintendo the next year, and they were all playing uh, Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct Gold, and I'm in <laughs> Zelda, and I'm like, man, I got the Genesis. I yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. I can't believe you got the, the one Genesis. game from my childhood that the kids that had Genesis had that I would always be obsessed with because I loved the the arcade version was this game called Rygar, and it existed on the Genesis. It didn't exist on Nintendo. Gotcha. So that was the music from that from that game used to just mesmerize me. It's just a platformer. Rygar. Like yeah. great name, <laughs> Rygar. Rygar. Yeah, but so Genesis had its Altered Beast. Yeah, Altered Beast was cool. And I had all the X-Men games. That was good, like, because that's all I was about was the X-Men back then, so. Heck yeah. 
<laughs> I, had to, I had to do chores every Saturday morning, but I had, my dad knew. I was like, between 10 and 10.30, I got to stop so I can watch X-Men animated series. I'll be right back as soon as it's over. Wow. Maybe I'll stay for 30 minutes of wrestling, and then I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about, let's, let's dive a little back individually. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Walterboro. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Roundo. Roundo. Yeah. I don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Roundo is a little country stop Mm. um, right outside of Walterboro. It's a great place if my parents listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like burn it on a CD (laughs) and you don't like hunting and fishing, which I don't, like, it's not the place for you. Yeah. I wanted to, like, I had a first cousin. He got to grow up in West Ashley and he was like, I'm like, man, why didn't I get to grow up in West Ashley? Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I bet you that there are people living downtown that go like, man, I wish I was out in the country. Hell yeah. Um, so what did your parents do? Uh, my dad was a Navy Yard employee and then that closed. And then he went to the Marine Air Station in Beaufort. Like my dad really worked hard. So like me and my brother would have a better opportunity than he did. Mm-hmm. And my mom worked at the Walterboro Hospital. So she would like pick me up from after school and I'd have to go back to the hospital for an hour or two while she finishes up doing whatever operating room supervising stuff she had to do. And so truly working class of, of two of the industries yeah. that are very much South Carolina, like yeah. military medicine. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Now. So what kind of got you into the screen printing or just art in general? Like, what was that journey like for you? Well, like, sitting there waiting on her to get off work. I would start drawing. And, once again, it's all comic books. Like, yeah. X-Men. I was trying to draw all the X-Men characters. Church? And, church, yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> sitting in church, trying to entertain myself. Once again, drawing <laughs> Transformers and Spider-Man. Like, so I was, that's what I did. And that's where I, was, I started learning, like, oh, I'm really good at drawing. And I had teachers that started pushing me. So I got to Winthrop University. Wait, before you go there, did you have a teacher or someone in your life that kind of um, validated that that thought that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this? I had a middle school teacher. She was like, always was like pushing me. She's like, you're really good at this. And then uh, I had a, a high school teacher, Miss Marilyn Zelke. She lives here in Somerville. And she was like, you were really good at this. Like, And she started Isn't focusing that- on me to like push me. And so like... I quit doing everything else. I was like, quit out, quit band, which I was in high school band. Uh, <laughs> and I quit playing baseball. And I just started focusing on like getting better at art. So every night I'd go and start drawing and sketching. And so that's, that was my high school life. Like, yeah. Listening to Van Halen and drawing cartoons and then trying yeah. to learn how to do like realistic stuff. It's, it's amazing how the, for a lot of artists, comics, and cartoons like those are the things that really yeah like fan art is so huge because it's like that's the inspiration that gets people to pick up a pen and, and just like you know whatever type of music like rock and roll punk rock whatever it is that you're into like people will pick up a guitar same thing like yeah. oh here's here's my <laughs> underground art form that i'm going to uh yeah i love it i love it so you so you got you went to winthrop yeah, so I went to Winthrop. I, was, I thought about studying digital animation because it's like in the Star Wars, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to make all these digital animation stuff, but I'm not very good at computers. Mm. So I started studying painting. Uh, and then two years in, 
one of the professors started a screen printing class. And I took the screen printing class. I'm like, you know what? I'm done painting. I found everything. It's analytical. It's layered. You have to like plan it out. You have to know the processes. I'm like, this is it. I can do this. And then I discovered Shepard Ferry while I was at Winthrop, even though I should have discovered him. But I didn't grow up in Charleston, so I grew up in Walterboro. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah. And then Banksy and all that stuff. And I come back to Charleston. I move, get to move to Charleston in 2004 after school. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't have any equipment. So I have to learn how to, the school taught you how to do everything the old world academically. And like, I'm having to learn how to apply that to, with no resources, right. no space. Like, how do you do this? And like, I met uh, Jeff Kopish from Lime Blue Art Gallery downtown and like, I was doing little drawings on scraps of wood that I would dig out of dumpsters mm-hmm. of people rebuilding buildings. And I was obsessed with Poe and Iron Gates. And then, like, he's like, oh, these are really cool. Keep bringing me these small pieces. And so that uh, was how I got started in Charleston. I love it. I love it. It's very it, – it, it, it makes a lot of sense when you look at the type of art you guys are creating. There's a love affair with your environment, with Charleston. With yeah. The, with the, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, – I, I love it. I love it. I love that. I, I didn't know that you came from like a comic book kind of yeah. background because it doesn't it doesn't really um, now that you say it. I see I, I understand the connection, but I didn't think that before. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like, I didn't like look at it and go like this looks like uh, it, it was born out of a love of comics or anything like that. That's where the, yeah, all the penny yeah. stuff comes from, like. That's and awesome. Like right now, big influence, I think, for me, artistically. I mean, Beeple's like got my mind messed up at the moment, but uh, I've been reading. <laughs> He's the, got a lot of people's yeah. minds messed up at the moment. Uh, pretty the, amazing. The Vision graphic novel. I finished WandaVision and I was like, I tried to find the Vision graphic novel from a few years ago about Vision starting his own family, his mm-hmm. synthesoid wife and synthesoid kids, and they're going to try to be normal humans. And so I just downloaded it on Comixology and I was looking at it this hand-drawn comic on a digital application and it just brought out all these colors and, and I'm looking at, and you can zoom in and the line work is all bleedy and blurry yeah. and it's incredible. I'm like, oh, I love this. Like, so that'll probably, whatever like art I'm studying, each, each piece I think brings, has got some kind of influence of whatever I'm looking at in Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. artist or comic or something, whatever's in my life space at that moment comes into those. I usually try to creep it in a little bit. And I would say the themes, Mm -hmm. though, don't that might be where some of the lines come from, but the themes come from our life. So, like, we just very safely took a trip to Mexico. We snuck out to go take a surf trip. So, Mm -hmm. some of the latest pieces are really dusty, West Coast, Mexico inspired. Um, And even this last year, where we did the Escape series, it was inspired by all of our adventures. Right. So like the art is inspired by our life, but, but like all of the line work changes according to, you know, what's. Yeah. What's, what kind of influence, like Mm -hmm. constantly adapting and bringing in new ideas and new technology or a new experience into like, what is your like toolkit? All these are tools that you just keep adding the new tools to. Oh yeah. Well, you know, screen printing is a craft. Right. And when you take that craft and you make, um, you, you push the limits and make art out of it, that, that it, it's just amazing. 
it's kind of like uh, tattooing without skin. You know, it's oh, yeah. it's, it's just a. I, I love when you can take something that is definitely a skill and a craft and make something completely like original, specific to that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. We've had to like reach out. To- like learning how to screen print on our own with water-based stuff. Like in college, I was trained with oil-based. And like, so when we started, like we had to learn everything over mm-hmm. again with water-based techniques and build tools and reach oh, yeah. out to friends like Proton Matt and other people that were screen printing. Yeah, like- I mean, and it's been a definitely a process. Like if you go back and look at our early stuff, it looks like five-year-olds. True, which is fine. Yeah. You know, there's no, but it just takes a long time to figure out, like, like it says, a craft. You have to put the hours you, in to learn how to build. You and, know, I mean, just like anything, it's process. But you draw it, but then you break it down, and then you rebuild it in this way that sounds really easy, and it is. But there's so many things that can go wrong as you're like on paper, which is not forgivable. Whereas on a t-shirt. You can do all of these things at the same time. You know, you have the drying process, but the piece of paper, you need to do one layer, hang it up. It needs to be completely dry. Yeah. And then you need to make sure that you have all of your traps in or the next layer is going to look horrible. Yeah. And we we were mixing (laughs) colors. You find out. We'll both be looking at like, is this the right color? And like. You find out the bottom color. It looks like the right color. It's absolutely not the right color. So you have to go back in and then re- print the bottom color or the third color, you know, whatever it is. But, and it's so frustrating mm-hmm. and also amazing. At so the same at time. the end of time, you get a piece of work that we have like stressed out on. And you put a lot. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. I, I remember <laughs> being in a band and actually the guy who, uh, whose house we used to screen print our merch and, um, He's that's still his career. Yeah, he he does screen printing, uh, t-shirt. You know, he, he's in that world. Like that's his his job now. Um, but when we first started doing it, yeah, everything you're explaining, I'm like these visions of, and that was just with like t-shirts, patches, and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, the trial and error, and 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 the expense. If you made a mistake, you're like, oh my god, yeah. we can't afford to make this mistake. <laughs> so we would have like test t-shirts, which we would sell. So yeah, we, would have a yeah. sell, we would have shirts that had um, all over screen prints. Yeah, like tell, that. <laughs> tell him about this. So he got this in Iceland. Yeah, I walked into his shop and like this guy was buying old T-shirts and then printing his design over the top of it. And like it's uh, it was called Nona Booth. And mm-hmm. it's like one who does not fear life or does not fear death does not live. And uh, Quentin Tarantino walked into the shop and saw this his skull and put that on his car in death proof. But this shirt's 17 years old now at this point, I guess. Wow. So sometimes, you know, I mean, this guy built his whole business off of not mistakes, but like taking, you know, trial and error, like taking other people's I guess Bob Ross would call it happy accidents. Happy accidents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But we would, we would, because we were so strapped for cash, we would would sell the test prints uh, at shows for like five bucks or something. Awesome. and, And just, yeah. But that was, that was, uh, you you explaining the whole process. It's like, man, that that's a much more involved version of what we were doing. But it was still, it's the same thing, though, yeah. right? I mean, it's we tried to get into printing T-shirts and stuff, but we realized like, oh, this is not for us. Like, we like to stick to printing on paper yeah. and wood. It's definitely a whole different skill set to print on T-shirts. And our good friend Todd, 
Charlie Town Charlie Prince. Town Prince has got that covered. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there. Well, there's so many services now too that'll do one-off sure. screen prints. Well, they're not even screens. Direct like to garments. Direct yeah. to yeah. garments. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, I don't know how much that hinders or hurts the that whole industry, but it, it's kind of nice to not have to hold on to a bunch of you don't have to order uh, extra shirts. smalls that didn't sell. Well, that's you know? actually what got us out of the game. We're not good at it. We don't know how to transfer art into t-shirt art. And so everything we were doing, we were like taking our exact like paper print and then making it smaller. And people were like, oh, that's just, that's fine. But that's not what they wanted to buy in a t-shirt. And then we ended up with hundreds yeah. Like hundreds of t-shirts that we're like, what are we going to do? So it, we still have some and we sell them for five bucks a piece if anybody wants or they become to come racks. to our studio and <laughs> <laughs> and buy the last of the t-shirts. So, so, uh, Candace. Yeah. Similarly. So where I, did you grow up? I grew up in a small college town called Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, I and love, so you, and you grew up in like you're, you're, you grew up during like the prime time of oh, music. Chapel Hill Absolutely. indie rock in the nineties. Yeah, Ben Folds, all of it. Super like, chunk, Arches of Loaf. Super chunk, hundred um, percent. Yeah, so music has always. I mean, I think it influenced. It influences everybody, but you know, being in a town, mm. being young, having the Cat's Cradle like at my back doorstep, basically, like. I was going to shows. My mom would drop me off. You know, I would be 14 years old and she, I'd go to shows and she'd come pick me up. And, um, fantastic super chunk album or song. <laughs> come pick me up. Anyway, Absolutely. sorry. No, no. <laughs> sorry. So, um, yeah. So I was really, you know, I, I grew up in a very liberal community. I was really influenced by the music, uh, local music and, you know, just 90s music in general. I, did a lot of photography in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I shaved my head. I had all sorts of hair colors. I was just like, I considered myself this like radical kind of punk, I don't know, were feminist. You, were you judging bands that had barcodes on their face? <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, when I had access to this underground music scene, or it wasn't underground, but, you know, just access yeah, well, to yeah. a local music scene that not every young kid had access to. So I was, I mean, I was creative in all sorts of ways. I always, I made my own clothes. I like would not just, I mean, I need to dig out some of the photos talking about like bad John does an amazing job at photography and shows. I used to think, I used to go take my camera to all sorts of shows. Mm -hmm. It would be fascinating. We need to go look at my mom's house actually and see if we can dig out some of those. But just, um, so really, like as far as visual arts, if I wanted something done, you know, like on my wall, my mom would let me kind of have free reign. So if I wanted anything done, I would just figure out how to do it. I was not, I was never like creative in the traditional way that Will was. I never really like drew in the traditional way, but I always made it figured out. Like if I wanted something, I would draw it or... Get someone over. Get someone over or, you know, paint it. Just figure out how I would make it happen. Yeah. Um, well, so, it sounds like your personality of the just do it. Yeah, like, just do just it. Just get things done. And it always worked out. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I've created a lot of different things. I also was um, a dancer growing up. So my friend's record label, Frequency in College, 
um, there was this group called Robo Sapiens. They were like queer pop. They came from San Francisco, but they came onto Charlie's record label. I was a backup dancer in their, in their, <laughs> in their band. And so like I'd help with their art and their cover art and just like anything that needed done around my friend's uh, studio, I was there. And I also uh, was in a 90s hip hop dance troupe. Nice. Yes, in college. And we called ourselves the Fly Five as a nod to, you know, all. (laughs) (laughs) And there was this um, drag king troupe called the Cunt Tree Kings. Um, I just had to emphasize so you understand. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and we would be their openers. So, you know, I've created like, I. so I would choreograph for us. Well, all of us took turns choreographing. And so I was just really involved with every process of music, dance, art, kind of, you know, since the beginning of my life. You you, you firmly pla- placed yourself yes. in the creative community. Firmly. And you were in the perfect place. It's, it's amazing that you guys came from very different yes. uh, Southern existences. You know what I'm saying? Like you came from a yeah, r- rural hunting, fishing, working class family, and she's in the middle of a college town with this, at the height of like '90s, alternative Absolutely. indie rock music is is basically pouring out of that area. Yeah, that's that's. She'll talk about something like you did this in high school, right? I'm like, no, I went to Walterboro. Come on, <laughs> no, people had people had literal shotguns in yeah. the back of their truck at his high school. I mean, right, right. The fashion in town in high school was camo. Real tree. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I mean. Or you were goth rock and then you wore the baggy Jinko pants and all black. Listen, oh, we had goth rock at, you know, growing up. I mean, that's very part of the 90s. Like, I mean, my early high school days was tainted by uh, the, the the awful fashion choice of Z Cavaricis. And <laughs> I don't know if you remember that because no, I grew up in New York. please no, no, tell no, me. It was, um, um, how do I say this without sounding like ultra judgy? It was just terrible, like uh, the type of clothes that you'd probably wear to a club, like a dance club, like the kind of, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, whatever you're, you're envisioning of a dance club. So like, you, right, and, and raves. You, you, they were, no. Like no, Night no, at no, the Roxbury? No, no, no. Because no. like, I was about to say, I was a raver. No, no, no. The type of place with like, you know, a velvet rope and a long oh, line of oh, people oh, to go oh, in. Oh, like Night at Roxbury type clothes? Yeah. Well, not. No, no that would no, be creative. No. This okay. was this was like, you'd buy them at like JCPenney or gotcha. something like that. But they had really like like high tight waists and then they flared out at the oh, yes. thigh the, with pleats. Oh, the and then they got pants. really, really tight at the ankle. And so- Amazing. Kind of MC uh, Hammer and kind of like that, yeah. yeah. And that was of the time, yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, just yeah, the fashion was, was uh, I made a poor fashion choice. <laughs> I went to a, 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 a private high school and I didn't know pretty much anyone there in my freshman year. And the first time that we could go to an a, a event, it was like a dance, um, where we didn't have to wear a school uniform. I freaked out and talked to my closest friend who is gay. And I was like, you know about fashion. So dress me. And he <laughs> awesome. dressed me up like, like, like someone I'm not. Right. Yeah. Right. But I show up to this dance dressed like I'm going to a club. 
And, and you know, the people at the school were mostly kind of like J. Crew style preppy kids. Sure. And, and, and I was just like, immediately, like I had to rebuild my reputation for like years after that. <laughs> How interesting to think about like, would school uniforms, what would that have been like in high school? It's Does fantastic. it help? I yeah. It. I think that it would have like, yes, I loved being creative, but I could have been creative outside of, of school. Judgment. I think it would have helped maybe. It, 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 it makes waking up easier because you don't have to figure out what you're going to wear. You know right. what you're going to wear. Um, and it does even out That's what, everybody. Right. Everyone's kind of, it takes away that like one thing to separate people. Right. That that little bit of identity at that age where where you have people like I just described. Specifically at that age. Did not know. Right. I just didn't know. I didn't know what my identity was yet. So I was just like, I'm, I'm going into high school. How do I know? And kids are mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. You fast forward a couple of years later, my hair was long and I was wearing like sure. heavy metal t-shirts and, you know, totally you different found person. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while, but that's, but the having the school uniform was actually, um, very helpful in, in, in leveling the playing field. There were, there's a certain form of, uh, I'm not going to use this term lightly, but equity for yeah. everybody coming into like that school as far as, you know, judging people based on, on what they were wearing. But yeah, I two. can I can see the value in that for sure. Um, All right, so let's get back into your story. <laughs> oh, so, uh, okay. You're, so you're in you're 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 in you've ingrained yourself into the scene. Into the scene. You're you're a scene. Per- Do you have your own fanzine? Please tell me you did. I I definitely made zines all the time. And we uh, we had this bookstore called the International Internationalist Bookstore, and it was kind of like a radical. It was on King, it was on, not King Street, Franklin Street. Mm. Um, And it was a just radical underground like bookstore. So they let all of us put our zines in, right? So we could like make our zines, whatever topic it was. And there was like a little, you know, wall that was dedicated and it was filled. And so yours was never up front because there was always like 700 (laughs) There's 700 people wanting to make a zine. So you'd go in and be like, put yours on the front (laughs) in front of somebody else's. But yeah, it really, I mean, so music and that part of art really shaped, I guess, my childhood and then into college. Mm -hmm. And then I met all of these people who were older who had their own record label and sound engineer, like studio, recording Mm -hmm. studio. And I really dove into helping create the art for the, they only did records, right? Like they didn't make CDs or anything. Seven inch vinyl. And, and, mm-hmm. yeah. and then learning the process of like screen printing. And it was really always very dramatic. It wasn't like romantic. It was like, you know, we did not know what we were doing, but it was so fun. So we had the tiniest little like tabletop you know, press probably like everyone had back then. Mm -hmm. And we just would take like our two screens that we'd have and like go. And now that we like screen that we code them, like we painted it on with this brush and it was all sorts of goopy and thick. And so all the time our screens would fail. And I'm like, oh, no wonder they failed. Why did we not have a scoop coder? But, you know, you live (laughs) and learn. Um, And then, you know, I... I moved here after like a pretty intense breakup. I Mm. thought I was going to 
anyway, the short version is, is I was with this woman for three years and I really thought that like we were going to get married or whatever anyway. But so we had plans to move to Jacksonville, Florida only for a year because the short version is her sister was down there, had a kid, needed help. And then we were going to figure out where we wanted to live in the United States. And right before we signed a lease, she broke up with me. And my best friend Jess was living down here at the time. And so I called Jess. She was in a bad situation. I was like, hey, you're month to month. I'm coming down. Find us a place. It needs to have a porch. It needs to be downtown. I don't care where it is downtown. It could be like, and I'll be there. I'll see you in 20 days. And so she did it. Like she told her roommates. She was in this like tiny closet. She was like, all right, well, I'm leaving. And she found us a place on Cleveland Street, which is right near Moe's Crosstown, which was across the street from Will. And I came to Charleston not knowing anybody or anything and um, except for Jess. And then I didn't work for a couple months. And then I read, oh, City Lights Coffee. Oh, Sean owns that. So Sean owned uh, CD Alley, which is mm-hmm. like, it sounds like it's a C- it's like the coolest record store. So I had been going to that record shop since I was like, in middle school. And so he owned City Lights Coffee. And so I went down there and I was like, hey, I need a job. I haven't worked, you know, for months because I'm heartbroken or whatever. And so I started working at, in my opinion, the coolest coffee shop in Charleston, you know, like he and Sean owns, uh, he has sit and spin records. He's still such a cool guy. He has a coffee shop in Columbia now, but anyway, so then my life in Charleston started and shortly after I met him and then we started creating and then moved it. I moved him in across the street because I couldn't go into his boy house. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this girl who this, this girl who grew up in like the punk rock, indie rock music, you know, DIY. Your house was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like, OK, so I, will this embarrass you? I went in and like, I like that she asked for permission. <laughs> I went in and the toilet was so gross, or maybe mm. it was the bathtub, but like it was like orange was peeling off of it. And I was like, what is going on? He's like, oh, we just like let it peel off. And like, you know, it gets so dirty that it gets so heavy. It peels off. What, what is, was it mold? I don't know. And it Soap, just like, scum would, and, there know. was a yeah. hole in it the bathroom like, floor to downstairs. It would just like, peel off and then we know it's clean. I mean, it was bad. And his room wasn't, but like the common, you know, the bathroom and the mm. kitchen were yeah. horrific, like nightmare. They they needed they needed some they needed somebody in there that that uh yeah, that wasn't going to stand for that. It's, and what's it's weird tough. is he's so clean, so I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. These are times of the past. Are you, do you, are you guys, uh, do you guys have any kind of spirituality? Cause I, and I only bring that up because it, it feels like, um, it feels like when you hear these kind of stories that there's almost kind of like this, uh, divine path that you're both kind of on, like either you were stumbling and found each other or things lined up. And I, I don't know how I would believe in yeah. that, but it's, it seems to me like you guys kind of were uh, so, meant to get to, to, to join forces. I would say, I mean, I'm very spiritual. I don't know what to call it. Like I go back and forth between calling it the universe, which I know is cringy <laughs> or okay. Gaia. But um, 
So I didn't grow up going to church at all. So I like organized religion was never a part of my life, but he did. And absolutely like, and I know I'm speaking for you. You are not open to organized religion. No. And neither am I. Mm. It is for, you know, it's an individual. Right. It's for the individual. So we are both, or I am spiritual, but we don't really practice it a lot. Like I definitely like to, when it's a full moon, go and have a full moon ceremony. If it's a new moon and every day, like I, I mean, as cheesy as it is, like when I think about it, I remember it, I thank the universe because it's like, how beautiful is a sunset every day? I, um, I and, think we believe in positive energy. Like yeah, last year manifesting. was really tough on a lot of people, but we basically were unscathed from it. I mean, it, it was affected us a little bit, but so like we tried to give to other people because we were fortunate. Like I didn't lose my job. She didn't lose her job. Yeah. Uh, people were buying our art still. So yeah. like Wish we, we tried to support like, other artists you. and we tried to give as much as we could. Like that's awesome. But, but yeah, I think there's a collective pulse yeah. in this world and, and this, you know, and, um, but I don't spend a lot of time except for two times a month when the moon reminds me. <laughs> I, I, I have mean, gotten very in tune with, yeah. with moon cycles lately because I've realized that it has an actual effect in my sleep patterns. And, you know, you go through your whole life just not knowing why some days you just can't sleep right or whatever it is. And then I started to like, listen <laughs> to other people and be yeah. like, oh, you mean that thing that affects the tides as well affects me because I'm made up of mostly water and that like, yeah. Well, I would say as a woman, you know, it's been easier to pay attention to the moon mm. because my cycle and and most women's cycles align in some way with the moon. And um, that was another thing that a test, which I hope this is not too much information <laughs> on a podcast. When we first got together, I happen, my cycle happened to align with a full moon. And so I needed to have a bleeding, burning ceremony that he needed to be a part of within our first month to make sure that he could really hang. Yeah, we had to burn some stuff. And (laughs) And then anyway, bleed into the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, we go back and forth. I mean, I think that I'm spiritual, but not actively practicing well, every des- day. You just described a very spiritual act. Sure. Yeah. So, so I would say it's infrequent. Yeah. But I'm when I'm moved. You feel just connected in general. You don't very need. Connected. You don't need to put a name on it or a, a practice to it because that's mm-hmm. how you're living your life. That, and then that's I got this weird vibe from you guys. Not that you were um, religious, but that you are connected. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, there's yeah. all of these connections and it's hard not to be an artist. I, I mean, not to be connected when you're an artist because you're speaking this language in an abstract way and, you know, you're in tune with mm-hmm. other things outside of maybe what's written in a book. Yeah. I would say that both of us in different ways are empaths as well. So like mm. I um, I really just feel feel, and I think every human, if you break it down and let yourself, but I really feel people's pain and joy and all of it. And I pay attention to that. And I think you do too. Yeah. I I think sometimes like I have to like take a minute and then put myself in the situation to completely understand and relate to it. Um, 
I try to always investigate. I think I like an investigative personality. So like I try to like look at it from multiple sides instead of making snap judgments. Sometimes I don't do that. And sometimes like I feel like I let myself down by like not understanding someone's plight or someone's joy or someone's sadness completely just because I couldn't relate to it at the moment. It's like I, I try to constantly observe what's going on, take in information uh, absorb what I think is important and try to make a decision based on that. And then that usually f- affects like the art and uh, my decisions in life. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I just, abs- I just feel like I'm connected you, yeah. to everyone immediately or not connected. You know, like I don't, it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes and, um, and need to analyze it, but I just, I'm reactive, I guess. I think, I think, yeah. uh, Am I out of line in saying that Will kind of leans on you for that? No, I don't think you're out of line. And I lean on him for, you know, for his research and his attention to detail and, you know, so many things. Yeah. To bring me down. Because I think sometimes I'm, we have this saying where I'm like, I see the forest. And he's like, I can't see the forest. I can only see that one bug that's in the leaf over there. And so... I don't know. Like, I feel very fortunate that we have found each other because I, yeah, he, I feel very like I, I didn't used to know what being grounded was like, and mm. I can't imagine, and I'm sure I could do it myself and I do do it myself. I've learned all these tools. I'm older now, but he helped me learn all of these tools. Yeah. Why, why go it alone when you can have an yeah. amazing person to compliment you? Yeah. I mean, I think we work better together than we ever do apart. And like sometimes we'll like be out of sync and we'll have to like, all right, we need to do this together. Like we're fighting each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we definitely fight. That's part of like the human experience. Oh, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's worth it. And and I imagine because I, I share a similar type of of relationship with my wife. We're very different in so many ways. And then the things that are important, we we definitely connect on uh but yeah the fights can be epic as far as like they're emotional Emotional. they're just like why can't you just be like me for a second (laughs) you know you you you, that's what it comes down to it's it's like not extremely yeah mm. frustrating but it's difficult but the reason why i said i said that is because when i approached will at that at this market that i guess was uh you weren't there yet or you were stepped out for a minute. And I said to Will, I was like, hey, I'm Joe. I got this podcast, blah, blah, blah. And immediately he was just like, you, you need to talk to my wife. Really? <laughs> like, well, she's the interesting she, one. She's the yeah. one I, who, who talks. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. But you're complete. You're so interesting. You always say that. But yeah, but I but I like that that. He he's able to lean on you th- in that that situation. Sure, and I think that we both are really good with checking in and just being like, "Is this cool with you?" Just and not. We've learned that, and I think you have to learn that in every relationship, right? Mm. Like, you have to, of course, assert yourself, but compromise and just be like, "Is this cool with you? Are you? Can we do this? Can yeah. you do this?" Well, I, I would imagine your personality is not somebody who's opened up to people immediately. No. And it takes a minute for you to trust them, to, to open up to them. And then once you open up, it, it's, it's extremely interesting. And, Absolutely. And you, you have a lot to, to talk about and lots of influences and, and everything, which is amazing. But I like that you were like, you kind of put up this wall. <laughs> 
right up, right up the bat. And, when, and I was totally respectful. I was like, yeah, sure, here. You know? Yeah, like I'm not opposed to doing it, but like I'm going to bore you to death. You really should talk to Candace. Which you wouldn't, <laughs> by the way. Absolutely would not. But but I but I I do I do see that like you you share maybe uh, something in common that we might have is is the is the somewhat fearless nature of approaching people. Sure. Yeah. You know, not being not being afraid to like find out, hey, maybe this person, maybe we won't connect. Maybe this won't work, but hey, I'm, I'm going to try. Willing to try it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of your work that you've got that you're working on right now. Like, like what's we're, what's on the, um, what's taking your headspace right now as far as, I know we, we talked about people and nifties and yeah. that, that concept, but what, what in your realm of creativity are you guys kind of focusing on right now? You want to take this one? Uh, twenty twenty, we focused on like the escape series, mm. and so it was like taking perspective and like it was bike bike trips, skateboarding trips, uh, roller surfing, skating, roller skating, surfing. It was about mm. all these activities we got to do downtown without all the cars trying to drive you off the yeah. road. Uh, and so it was like trying to see that from a different perspective. And most of the perspectives were from really low, so we were like playing with different perspectives. But everything was about like escaping the pandemic and uh we've been trying to brainstorm like but escaping it not to, not through any kind of media but escaping it outside outdoor escapes yeah, yeah specifically trying to find some kind of new joy that you probably took for granted before yeah and so i think now we're trying to like that series is about to wrap up mm-hmm. we got a couple more pieces we'll probably do to finish it but then we're like trying to figure out like what's next and so that's constantly like what's our next mm-hmm. thing so we talked about maybe COVID fever dreams is next. COVID fever dreams. So fever dream has been something that I've always, it's it's not just my expression, but in college, my good friend Tyler Stilly, we would be doing whatever, you know, drugs or whatever we were doing. <laughs> drugs. And, and we, you know, would be up talking for hours and like our favorite expression would be like, oh, God, that was so fever dream. And we would describe like whatever had happened to us or whatever was happening to us. And then it like became like, God, that's fever. Like, and, and then it started expanding into like art. So I've talked to him a lot about like my fever dream experience of college and artwork. And so, uh, this was actually his idea, the COVID fever dream. I was like, Oh my God, Brilliant. Yes, I, I think brilliant. it's going to be like reimagining the future. Like yep. we're on that cusp of, tw- of the 20th century finally dying off and the mm-hmm. 21st century being born. And it's, we don't know what it's going to look like yet. And that's probably why everything's so chaotic right now. And there's mm. no actual leaders with visions because the people with visions are just taking baby so steps at the moment. What right. freedom to create like the most wild future we can think of with no boundaries. We don't care if it's, accurate in fact it's a hundred percent not going to be accurate it's going to be weird colors it's going to be like yes just wild these are just ideas where we don't have any actual like these are just things we've started talking about in the past two days i it's it all right this is where i kind of get weirded out because I, i imagine a lot of creative people have a lot of the same influences you just watched wandavision we I right. watched it in my house as well. That kind of thing. I'm just bringing up like a pop culture reference sure, yeah. just to make, to say like, Hey, we're, we're, but I've been discussing very similar things. Like I've been talking about how, like in my create creative work, as far as like, I do a lot of photography. 
Um, and a lot of it is very controlled, right? Very, there's a certain thing that I do for, for, for work. Um, and then I, I was like, man, I want more color. I want bright colors. I want to, to focus on not the, the perfect moment, but the moment before or after that moment. Um, you know what I'm saying? All of those types of things, those abstract things, but I I really wanted to focus, you know, I, I really wanted to. I feel like a lot of creative people are on this verge of an explosion sure. of just joy, emotion, you know. I think there's definitely a collective energy and it always surprises me how in tune we yeah. humans are, especially in the creative community. I think you're right. Like, I mean, this this year has been, 2021 has been terrible so far. Terrible if you look at all of the things. Yeah. I mean, this past the last 10 days have been a nightmare, a nightmare. For, as an American. Absolutely. It's a nightmare to watch people get murdered in the streets and know that we're not going to do anything, anything even with a Democrat in, in office and a Absolutely. democratically controlled Congress. Nothing's going to change. Nothing. Not one thing will change. Nothing will happen. And this is what we're dealing with. So, so like 2021 is showing its head and like. But we're still so hopeful. We are. We're still so like, we're still manifesting this like joy and this happiness and like this, we all want to explode into like life. I know. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm just thinking about that. I mean, the trying to balance out both to absolutely pay attention to the horrors. Right. But you can't let it take you over because how do you. Like we have to live, we have yeah. to keep going, but like- And that's what it's, it's exciting that we're all there. Yeah, but we have to remember and like, if we can change something, mm. do. So yeah, but, I think over the last five years, we took like a huge step forward with like the street art scene you're talking about, but like, uh, I see you got our website up or Instagram up right uh-huh. now. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the fifth image is really the groundbreaking image. It's like- Candace in front of this American flag, and we took that to women's censored March. for Instagram. Yeah, censored for Instagram. Don't worry. <laughs> but like that, she took that to women's March in DC, and it's like we made that one then, and like as a pushback against this over chauvinistic alt right, whatever that means, uh-huh. movement. The appropriation of the American flag imagery. Oh, yes. That that is so associated with uh, to, with one side. Yeah, that rattlesnake flag. Be, Yes. Well, even that, like the it, Patriot stuff. Like, yeah, we've been watching the Q documentary on HBO right oh, now. Like, trying to watching that. One. It's so. fascinating. Like, I understand how they got sucked down this rabbit hole. Yeah, of, like well, people unfulfilled lives. Mm-hmm. You go to work. You make a little bit of money. You aren't happy. You can't have nice things because there's somebody's holding you back, and you don't know why. Because you're working hard, and that's the whole American dream: is you work hard and you get rich. But that's not a real dream. That's yeah. Well, that is a dream. That's not a reality for a lot of right. people. Right. Well, it, the, the, and that's the empath, empathetic part of you. Because, yeah, when you watch, and, and I think the people who made that documentary series, what was it called? Q, Q the, the Storm. Storm. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the documentary filmmakers are very careful to not demonize these folks that are in it because you can see how easy it is to fall into that. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason people fall into pyramid schemes. It's the same reason oh, yeah. people Cults, fall into their anything. religions, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that go head over heels into their religions, I should say. Um, it's that acceptance. It's finding a community. It's, it's and, and, you know, in terrible times, 
leaning on conspiracies, of course, it yeah. makes so much sense because it's it's much more um, satisfying to think that there's this entity of or this cabal or whatever it is of people controlling things and pulling the strings than to think that like all of this stuff could be just a result of random acts yeah, that, a, a that well-meaning people that yeah. think they're going to make a difference in their life and other people's lives. And, and I think that we as humans really gravitate towards the, un, like we love knowing something that other people don't. We also mm. love finding treasure. We love all of these things and throughout history. And Q really lets you, it, you know, one of the taglines is make America research again. So it's like, you get All of our to, Q knowledge is from this documentary so far. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We actually <laughs> yeah. don't, don't know anything. anything except for this documentary. But but it's eye-opening to see what is. those people, right? how they got how they got. But hooked. it seems like, yeah. well, you know something that these other sheeple or whatever don't know. And so, like, that's, a, you know, that's appealing. Yeah. I get, I can see how that would be, not specifically Q, but, but it, insider it, it, knowledge. How people get sucked into how, this. Yeah. And you could take that that framework and apply it to either side's movements. Absolutely. Um, Cause it Absolutely. is easy. It is easy to persuade people when you show, when you say like, Hey, I've got a secret. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know something. And I mean, social media is really just a bunch of people who can't wait to break the news about something. Yeah. Sure. I took a dump today and it was three feet long. You can't don't wait understand. to share it. Andy Warhol's 15 <laughs> minutes of fame is here now. Like everybody can be famous for 15 yeah. seconds true. on TikTok. It looks like. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, but, but I do believe that sh examining that, and understanding what those people have done, it almost, it does make you feel sorry for some of them. And when you look at the people that they showcase as the ones that kind of were the uh, in charge of 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 basically facilitating it, you know, you have that one guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, of course that garners a lot of sympathy. Or immediately, immediately, you're like, you wow, you navigated life like this. Wow, like, yeah. but. And, uh, you know, there, there another guy who was like, oh, I, I voted for Obama twice because why not have a black man as president? Right. And then all of a sudden he's full into the QAnon thing. And you're like, this isn't as 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 black and white as people think. Because there's millions of people that got roped into it. I mean, who knows how many million, but they say 10 million. I, I don't. It'll be on hard the documentary, they say. But who knows? But uh, those people had enough influence to influence Close to seventy million people yeah. that were Trump supporters right. because because it was it was embraced. Yeah, yeah. So that. like we did that piece there, which <laughs> I think it's like our groundbreaking piece. Let me like, let me describe it real quick, um, just just so people, if you don't open up Instagram and go find it, it it's a picture of a woman which is Candace with a um with a helmet on, some sun, with heart sunglasses, mm -hmm. holding up an American flag on kind of like a sunburst type of uh, pattern that in the background, it looks like might be a, a street scene of some sort. It's the Trump tower in New York. Yeah. Oh, it's the it Trump is. tower. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, that's what it was like our, our rebellious piece against uh, what was happening. And I guess 2016 is when the election was. And uh, so which you took that and that was, but we took, Stopped using black ink for the first time. 
Because we used to use our top layer was always black and we didn't understand what was holding us back because when you're drawing, there's just like, you know, even if you're top, if it's not completely black, if it's shades of gray, it comes off as different as if you use your top layer as a dark dark or whatever, dark brown. Um, And we started muting all the colors and all of a sudden it started opening up the world. Instead of using like fully saturated out the can colors, it now opened us up to a whole realm of like subtle possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've always mixed ink, but we, I don't know. I feel like we've gotten better over the years at mixing, at nuancing. Yeah, started using the- some techniques that I learned at the print shops that I had forgotten, like having a proof and then you pull and you compare it to the proof. And not and- on the phone because the light from the phone like so, say we used to have our, our yeah. image on our cell phone and look at it and like this looks similar, this but looks similar. Because, but a like, light emitted is print are two different. Yeah, the light reflection spectrums. of light off of a, a dull surface and is the a way lot that it a backlit. processes yeah. Yeah. in your brain. And so we now print it on our Epson and um, and then mix the ink according to that color. Very cool, and I do like that the, that without the solid black lines, uh, it does f- have more of a uh, tactile paper, like the paper becomes mm-hmm. more of a part of. Yes, the, you know, yeah, what I'm we saying? start. Yeah, start utilizing everything instead of forcing stuff. It's like, yeah, it it feels like. Well, I I remember seeing like Shepard Fairey's originals that she does. She that he does of um some of the, his work, or when I say originals, or like the one off pieces that he does. Yeah, and the the texture that he he does. You know, he lets all of the different things bleed, and he uses. And he's learning from Rauschenberg. Robert yeah. Rauschenberg from the 1960s, like there's collages. And I know only know this because my uh, high school or my college roommate, Nick, is Shepard's artist that works with him. Mm. And so he'll take me pictures and show all the collage materials and all the spray paint yeah. layers. And like they're leaning 60, 70 years in the past. It's like Shepard's paying uh, homage to homage to Jasper Johns from South mm-hmm. Carolina. And oh, yeah. That Robert show Frank. with Jasper Johns yeah, was cool. amazing. Yeah. Also, a, a, an artist, a local artist who, uh, or I should, I mean, I guess you could call him local artist, right? He's yeah, from here. He's yes. Right. He made a mo- lot of his most popular Edisto. pieces were made on Edisto Island. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the American flag is like his most popular yes, yeah. Uh, piece. Yeah. So um, fantastic. So this was a shift both in actual, like the the the, the trade of it. You know, to 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 manipulate that, and also getting kind of political, right? Yeah. So this was this. So we did a whole year, a huge a whole year after that. We did lots of political stuff. We mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson resists mother effer, and and uh-huh. uh, we started playing in a lot of Quentin Tarantino stuff, and then we caught a lot of pushback from people because we put it up in the coffee shop. In yeah, and, and people are are not necessarily open to getting any kind of political commentary. It's, so we in decided, yeah, and I, I think we started deciding, deciding that maybe we can shift people a little more subtly instead of bashing them in the head. Like, well, and we, okay, so when, if we feel moved to do a political piece, we're not going to shy away from it, but that's not going to be the in the forefront of our brain. That's just right. going to be like, if we're inspired and want to do it, but it's not going to be like our 
who we are and as artists. Our, our whole goal is to be inclusive and right. not exclusive. So like we want to bring people along, but there's some moments that you don't sit on the sidelines no, for. So there's some moments that you just create what you. Yeah. Want. Well, I mean, I just brought up one of your pieces from the, from the black lives matter uh, protests that, that happened, you know, over the summer of 2020, which unfortunately turned into violence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's hard. It, it, and unfortunately the, the, the violence overshadowed all of the good that happened earlier in the day, um, which is sad, which is upset because I always, I I was there that day. In fact, when I first saw this, I was trying to like zoom in and see, like, (laughs) yeah, my daughter in here somewhere. Right. Yeah. Because that day was, you know, there were thousands of people, It was like a couple thousand and it was hopeful. And, but it was also, I, I mean, not for nothing, but during the day it was, it was mostly white people. That yeah. showed up to march because we're like, come on already. Yeah, like this is, like, this this is, is enough. enough. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we, we went from this town where we had this awful, awful thing that happened with that. That yeah, we don't talk you know, about the his whole name. World. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, involving the shooting in the church and whatnot, and that like there was this big outpouring, you know, the hands across the bridge thing, and there was all of this. Um, this feeling like okay, we've had our moment and we're 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 changing, and then no, 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 nothing changed, and so like there's a lot of there's a lot of this feeling of like come on already, yeah, and like there was a, this tense moment that day when the police formed a line on King Street and wouldn't let anyone pass, and all these that. people sat down in front, and and you know I remember there was a kid next to me who threw a rock at the police, and I, I was like stop, dude, yeah. What are you trying to do? Like throw a match into a powder keg? Stop it. Right. Let's not like let this turn into a violent moment. Let's let let's let the and what ended up happening is the police finally just moved along to the side and let everyone march. Right. Um, and it happened peacefully. Yeah. Uh, but that those kind of moments and things like that, no one really talks about because all they want to focus in on was what happened in uh, after dark. But who knows? Who knows what that was about? I wasn't about to judge it though, because I'm like, man, if that's all we're gonna get as a uh, a reaction, is a, is some broken windows and some lost money. Did anyone die? No. Did they kill anyone? Okay. So I mean, as it was, far as I'm saying, like, hey, you got off pretty pretty that's easy. What, that's what we think. But. We went out the next morning uh, to go check on the coffee shop that she yeah. works at because we were worried, like, oh, it's destroyed mm. but unfortunately but fortunately nobody wanted espresso at midnight when gucci's across the street <laughs> and louis vuitton is right across the street so like but we went the coffee shop was fine so like all right now let's go help other people mm-hmm. so we went and out and the we outpouring cleaned. of people helping so we were yeah. out there early and we were out there sweeping glass mm. and we we're helping the old ladies crying and she's like i didn't do anything wrong why is my window broken like it wasn't it's like i don't know it wasn't personal no it was no. just you know but we will try to help you. But we will try to help you, and yeah. and you're not alone in this. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it was a complex Absolutely. thing to deal with. And I was there the next day as well, cleaning up. Uh, and and I remember walking around my friend's neighborhood, who's who's up by uh, Line Street and up that that way. And, and and you know there was a couple of mom and pop stores up there that got vandalized and robbed, like a, a shoe store. Uh, mm-hmm. type of play, you know, that kind of thing. And and then like, we're walking up and down the block finding like, here's a shoe, here's a shoe box, trying to bring it back, that kind of stuff. And it was, uh, it was such a complex thing to process. Cause the whole time you're working, you're trying to think like, 
well, what happened? Like, why, why are we here? We, I don't like the violence. I hate the violence. Hate, hate the violence. The violence. But I, 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 Understand I, I have a hard time finding fault in it. That day too. while we're cleaning up, we saw like a microcosm of what all of it was. Like I'm in a window of Gucci picking up broken glass. And, oh, by the um, way, there's like broken glass, but there are what we found out later were earrings, right? Like nice earrings. And he had them in his hand. Um, and he was like deep into the window of Gucci cleaning up the broken glass. And there's like lighter bottles. They tried to burn the building and like, mm. so I'm cleaning this up. Cop rides by, doesn't say anything. Uh, across the street, Sweetwater Cafe, the black chefs trying to clean the glass up and break out, out, out the broken window of the cafe. And, and, and the he's cop worked stops, there for 14 years. The cop stops him. What are you doing? And starts questioning this. Goes by us. And we are like deep into <laughs> like Gucci broken windows. And this guy's over in Sweetwater Cafe cleaning up a broken window. And we're like, wow. And the, and the police officer stops him and starts yelling at him until yeah. other people come. And, like, and then, yeah, and then like until other people came. He's and- the chef. But, uh, but here you go creating artwork, obviously capturing a moment uh, of the day. And creating art because that's how you that's that's what you do. Yeah, like, we're, that's we're just you, telling our lives. Yeah, and and and, and I love that. Um, is, is there anything else you wanted to say about this specific type of piece? Was this more of just like a, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory type of thing, or was there anything else going into? Your, I think it's self-explanatory. Yeah. I mean, I had um, some Hunger Games symbols, right? In it. Like, well, yeah, head <laughs> <laughs> right up front. <laughs> the focal point. <laughs> Kind of looks like the uh, the Boy Scout symbol, <laughs> the Boy Scout or the Mockingjay. But we made that you know. digital download for anybody who wanted to use it. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I, mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's amazing. But uh, but you do you guys are, are just so in tune, you know, because you you have you juxtapose that from you know a, a surf scene, which I guess is part of your escape series, but like just very Charleston classic stuff, right? Yeah. And that's the complexity that I'm talking about. Like the, these, you, you guys are people who obviously love this area, but you're also uh, showcasing its dark side. Yeah, I mean, I think we're real. We're realists. We and we're idealists. We want it to be better. Yeah, and we do identify what is great. We acknowledge what is great, and we acknowledge what needs improvement. I think we're very lucky to live on a street where one of our very close friends is 86. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she she lived she grew up in Charleston and then in her twenties moved to New York and then she lived in Queens until she retired and then she moved back here and raised her granddaughter here in retirement which at this point is like twenty five years or something you know I mean because right. I think she retired early because she had to and she lives on a street that she couldn't walk down and she as lives a kid. on a street that she couldn't walk down as a kid and so of like her color of her skin like we are so fortunate to have her and to have like just every day, the stories that she tells us about Charleston, about the world, about her experience. Um, and lots of it's cruel, like a lot losing a son in New York on the subway. And, but she's still always hopeful and loving. And Well, like, through, he wasn't on the subway. He was walking through their neighborhood and unfortunately got, he was uninvolved, but there was gang drug shootout and Mm -hmm. he unfortunately passed away but that was in 1982 but she's still so hopeful through all of this it's so we moved in eight years ago and she immediately was like hi neighbor like yeah 
She gives everyone a chance. It doesn't mean that if they're bad people, she will not, she does not mess around, (laughs) but she gives everybody a chance, which I mean, I I'm inspired by. So it it goes back to, to that feeling of, of grace that a lot of people in Charleston, a lot of the old school people that have been here forever are, you know, that they possess. Yeah because of that complexity of all the things we just, you just described. I mean, it's amazing to me that anyone could come out of that and still, but, but I guess collectively we all are somewhat doing a, a, a version of that now coming out of the last four years of a very scary You're right. political environment for, for a lot of people. Chaotic. For some people. Yeah. I think we're not the only two people who, and the world around us, the United States right now is, horrible things are happening, Mm. but at the presidential level, it's almost like, I don't know, just not having, having a little bit more peace. It's boring, which is great. I'm really, I'm I'm grateful for it. And also I just can't believe the last four years. It's it, it, and you know, there'll be so much that comes out as time goes on of just how bad it was. Right. There, there's a lot of things that we just don't know. And then the things that we find out are what scares me. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did we get that close? And it was, you know, it, it's amazing. Fear is a, a huge motivator. Right. But, and I'm not trying to, and I'm not trying to like compare our collective experience with all of that to what somebody like your neighbor has lived through. But, uh, but I, you know, trying to, like I said, trying to, to find the joy and, and, and put forward like and manifest this colorful, explosive feeling of, of hope, you know, that, right. that a lot of people are, are definitely in tune with right now, despite all of the just darkness that's yeah. been right. around us, you I know, mean, I guess like if we can't do anything immediately to battle the darkness, we need to bring the light and also acknowledge the darkness and see if we can do something yeah. about it. But like covering it with more darkness, like how does that work? I don't know. Wallowing don't, in the darkness. Wallowing. Yeah. yeah. It just creates even more energy towards dark. Well, I am so excited to see what you guys come up with. Yeah, we'll see. I know. It's been really fun <laughs> yeah. coming up, like coming up here and meeting you. I love all of the choices that you've made artistically on the walls. Oh my gosh. Well, it's a lot of... Um, by the way, stuff that I just haven't gotten frames for yet. Right. Or figuring out stuff. It, it, it unfortunately, like, yes, hanging a print uh, of two very different types of work with a sticker. <laughs> it's not how you're going to gonna have to post this so everybody can see all your artwork. Yeah. But I, 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 I have this collection of artwork at my house that is is in a basket of tubes, which I'm sure you, mm-hmm. you guys as especially screen printing you start oh, so accumulating hard. so much so many print printed you should see our walls are just covered so basically yeah. you walk into our house and you would mistake it for a gallery not be like because we've crammed we just want to keep buying art we want to keep purchasing everyone's art and we have no room right but we we'll have just a tiny have, house and it's just going to be top to bottom it's walls top to bottom our, yeah. oh i 
before the pandemic started this uh, sorry if i'm getting very specific here people this building that we're in we were right before the pandemic started they were in the middle of remodeling the whole thing and i'll show you after we we're done like there's a corner of the building that's that is done <laughs> and that i didn't want to commit to anything in here sure. structurally to or get too uh crazy with it because i was like oh well, I'm going to have to take it all down and put it in that storage pod yeah. that's out in the back right. while they redo, remodel everything. And so, yeah, I've just kind of like, I'm constantly in this state of like, is, am I going to have to tear this all down tomorrow? I don't want to, I don't want to like put a lot of effort into something sure. that's yeah. going to change. So yeah, 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 that, 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 um, <laughs> that flux. Uh, that feeling. changes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Your, your choices become very uh, impermanent. Right. Until like they're there for months and then you're like, well, (laughs) maybe I should do something here. But that's a good problem to have, though, too much art. It is a good problem to have. And, you know, to your point, we will and maybe this is the whole human experience, but we will build a studio, decide we want an outdoor shower, build it. But then there I don't I can't even think of an example, but maybe like the air vent needs to be changed. And Mm -hmm. four months later, we'll like, damn it, we forgot to put a new one. Like, it's just so funny because I don't know, like everything is, everything is always changing and we're always rebuilding and building new things. But I guess we don't operate on a not permanent mind scope, but we constantly are changing our space constantly. I I think so. And maybe everybody is. Yeah. And we hang bulldog clips work really well too. By the way, oh yeah, yeah. And wait them on the bottom. Yes, yes. yes. You have and to you can on the just. Bottom. Oh yeah. Tack it, tack I it like in, it. and then you can just keep changing it. <laughs> I've got these. I've got these like tapestry things behind you, and and I put those up. I clear like I I feel guilty about owning those too because I just got them on Amazon, and it like there's a a, a Banksy one underneath, and then a Basquiat one that's showing right now. Right. And I bought them clear specifically functionality wise, sure. I was like, I need to deaden the sounds. I'm going to put some stuff up on the wall. That's going to absorb some sound. Right. And, um, they've just been there for like six months now. <laughs> it was you just know, like, okay, I guess they're there now. Like that's, they're, that's they're, their home. They're that's where haphazardly they live. thrown up there and they haven't come back down, <laughs> but I like the bulldog clip idea. Just, yeah, yeah. Bulldog clips. <laughs> rotate stuff. Oh, my, my wife is undergoing like this whole house, uh, transformations, re- redoing our whole house. And now she actually is interested in all of the stuff that's in the tubes because she wants to see like, what can yeah. we use? Yeah. I mean, uh, right? Yes. Victory. That's awesome. <laughs> My art collection <laughs> of weird paintings and things like that are, are going to uh, see the light of day that's in my so home. That's so exciting. So your home online is dosbanditosart.com, right? Instagram, dosbanditos. You guys on uh, any other... Things that you need, or, or they can just find you through all that. They can just find us through yeah. that. Yeah. All the other stuff is secondary. We just, but we our are, Instagram we are and, yep. yeah. We're not. And you have stuff for sale on your website. Yeah. And we do local pickup at our studio or porch pick. What we've been doing this year is just mm. leaving it on the porch when they text that they're five minutes away. But I think at, at this point we can start to. Or go by the coffee shop. Uh, or go not, by the coffee shop, yeah. uh, which will be moving, you know. Hold that thought. We are, we will be opening. Anyway, you don't want city to say light. No, you can't say I it. I can. So city lights coffee, 
we will be part owners of, and we what? our space is unfortunately and fortunately ending at the end of August. So we are looking for a space. So if anybody mm. has affordable rent wants downtown and wants that- funky art and a really cool kind of 90s style coffee shop that's not pretentious, hit me up. <laughs> Candace Patterson at gmail.com. There, well, here's my question. Here's my question. I'm, I, I know we're, I'm in the wrap up phase and now I'm like, I've got a question. Like someplace like Charleston, the lo- localness, is that a word? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. But the, 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 the mom and pop type stuff. I, I've seen it. I saw it happen in New York. I see it happening here. The gentrification or just the corporate takeover of these spaces where they price everybody out from living there to having right. uh, a small little coffee shop or an art space or things like that. And you're starting to see them all disappear, especially after 2020. Yeah. Um, what, what happens, you know, wh- what are we doing? Why are we allowing that to happen? What, what, why would anyone want to come to a place that looks exactly like the place they came from? That's a great question. And I don't think they would. And I think that we absolutely, one of my hopes from 2020, it doesn't seem to be happening, is that all the real estate downtown would take a step back and like still have expensive rents. Like you're fine. You have a mortgage. I get that. But they're astronomical. Like Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And our lease is ending and what she wants to charge us, not mentioning any names, after we've been there for 15 years is, it's not sustainable. Right. And, 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 and it's not like she's trying to be evil, whatever the, whatever the issue is, the empathy part of my head yeah. goes, yeah, in, yeah. comes into play. Um, it, it, you know, whatever situation they find themselves in, that's that, you that they would make that decision. I don't, it, it sucks. It sucks. She's not trying to be evil, but. That's why you see places like Park Circle now growing and becoming cooler constantly. Right. But then how long before that? Oh, it's, yeah. That's that's the problem. And so like we're, we're even willing to move a little bit into the neck. I just don't think as a coffee shop, we can move too far away because we really depend on. Foot traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Foot traffic. Um, But I think we're going to find something. Yeah. I mean, mean, but I, I want, I, I, I want somebody who maybe is a little bit motivated <clears throat> um, <laughs> to maybe fight for yeah. um, space. Right. Like make it, make the case to the city. Say, sure. hey, we keep touting ourselves as this destination place for this, that, and the other thing. We keep, say, you keep promoting that we're, you know, Condé Nast, number one city in America, whatever, this, this all of that stuff. You think that's going to stay that way if you get rid of all the reasons why? No. So we look like Charlotte. Like, are you going to want to come here? And one of the things that, I mean, just this is a tangent, but very quickly sets us apart from other coffee shops. Everybody's doing a fabulous job. I love every local coffee shop. But Mm. people go away because we really take the time. We might not have as good of food whatever, but we really imprint on people and welcome them into the community. And we have a bar that like locals and tourists sit at and they get to know each other and they come back like on their five day trip every single day to come talk to me, Greg, whoever's working there and have like an actual Charleston experience. So once it's everybody's vaccinated and it's safe again, that experience will return. Yes. And so anyway, so I think that's what we're yeah. offering at City Lights. And what, 
you know, ideally everyone's offering, but like that's our main focus, like experience. Yeah. I'd like, love to see protected um, real estate spaces mm-hmm. in these areas Absolutely. that facilitate exactly what you just said. We just all need to get together and buy something. Well, or, yeah, but- or bombard the city council. No, I think I know an artist who lives five minutes from here in Ladson uh, who just made <clears throat> $69 million. Oh, you're and right. Good maybe, point. Maybe he should buy some real estate. <laughs> maybe he should take some of that money and invest it. In, I'm not going to tell him how to spend his money. Right, right. But I, I would imagine if- It would be cool if he did it that. It would be super cool. I, I, I <laughs> fantasize about something similar to what Workshop is, but more of like a- in the show, sure, absolutely, you know, and just have a space where you can have live performance, but oh, you could also amazing. have amazing food, amazing vendors, and things like that. And, I mean, and, the and, concept uh, is mm. still. I know that people are saying that it's it's gone; it's just too expensive. But like having that as a budding restaurant idea, yeah. like having a space and not having to like bring everything to a brewery every time, like kind of brilliant. Right, 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 and I, and I think, I think maybe some of these breweries could differentiate themselves You're right. mm-hmm. by That's doing that. Point. Tradesmen seems to be really open to the arts community. Yeah. It'd be nice sure. if, to see them have like a permanent installation type of space there, you know, or something, or one of the other lo-fi is, is right over there. You know, yeah, they have yeah. space. Absolutely. They're, they're, and they're, they're cool employers. people. Yeah. yeah. Employees so. are all people, musicians, artists, they're all right, in that right. community. So, Cool. I don't know. I, I, hopefully, I'm putting a little bug in in, in, a, in somebody who is a um, habitual go getter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this all sounds no great. Pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> this has been awesome. You guys are amazing. Yeah, it's this been was really, great. really, spend, really uh, fun. Yeah, all right. spend some time. Let's so. take so, let's take a picture. Okay, yep. great. All right, cool. Thanks. Before you get going, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And also, you can check out more at jwnpod.com or follow me on Instagram at joelatex. That's at J-O-E-L, the number eight X. Have a great day. Peace. Peace.